Well, God bless you. Welcome to the wonderful Words of Life radio program. We're going to be right into the Word of God. And we're going to be talking about Elizabeth and Mary and their relationship with the covenant. And so this is going to be an exciting, exciting uh, session. Uh, Just want to ask a question. Uh, What do you think? Do you think God does things arbitrarily arbitrarily or do you think that God has a plan and which he operates within the lives of men? Well, the answer is obvious, isn't it? That God answers every man according to the covenant that he has made with him. And so we see God moving from the very moment that God created man until present day. God always works within the plan of his covenants. Praise God. So we're going to be talking about this in this session. Father, we bless you in the name of Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Now, Lord, wisdom and revelation come from you. And so we ask the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us uh, to fill our mouth uh, when uh, when we open it. Father God, uh, bless the ears to hear and the hearts to understand. And Father, we'll give you praise, honor and glory for it in Jesus name. Amen. So we're going to be talking about Elizabeth and Mary and concerning the covenant that God has made uh, with men. And so we have to ask ourselves, first of all, what? is covenant and what does covenant mean? Well, covenant is a transaction. It is a bond. It is an agreement made either between two men or two parties. Uh, The New Testament defines, uh, defines covenant as a will or testament. And we have two testaments. We've got the Old Testament and we have the New Testament. These are covenants that God has made with men. And this means that the scriptures are God's covenant that he has made. The Old Testament concerning primarily Israel and the New Testament primarily concerning the church, but also the world. And we also need to understand that the Hebrew word for covenant is barith. And it is defined as a covenant, uh, an alliance, a pledge. Um, It's also defined as an alliance, a treaty. An alliance of friendship between individuals, between tribes or nations. And there also is a covenant. It's called the covenant between God and man. And that's primarily what we're talking about in this session. So when a covenant is made, each party is obligated, has obligated himself to fulfill the conditions of the covenant. And the conditions of the covenant comes with blessings for obedience to the covenant made and also cursings if the demand of the covenant are not obeyed or they are broken. And the signature of the covenant is a cut in the flesh where blood flowed. Uh, It can be accompanied by a bond, a contract, Uh, the marriage bond, the marriage contract. That's a covenant. Uh, it can come with a handshake. Just a simple handshake can be a covenant, amen, that is fixed. Or a covenant can come with an exchange of gifts. Uh, covenants in the Old Testament and even today accompany with signs. They, uh, they come with sacrifices and solemn oaths always bind the covenant to the, the parties that are entering into it. 
And once a covenant was made between individuals, uh, tribes or nations, the stipulations of the covenants were made binding upon all within the family. Whenever uh, our government passed laws, those laws are binding. Those are laws of the covenant that we have as citizens of the United States of America. And so even though they make the laws, those laws are binding upon all of us. And it's the same with covenants within the scriptures. When the covenant was made, they were binding upon all within the family, all within the tribe or nation. All were obligated to accept the covenant and to obey its conditions. Now, when God made covenant with men, first he made covenant with Adam and his sons. And this is in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 29. Uh, God made covenant with Abraham and his posterity. That's found in Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3. And David and Jonathan also, a very famous covenant that they made with one another. That's found in 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 through 4, and also in chapter 20 and verse 16. So in covenants that are made between God and men, it's always the weaker party. It's always fallen men. It was always Adam. It was always Cain. It was always Abraham. It was always Moses, uh, the children of Israel. Fallen men, always the weaker party. And in covenants that God made with men, it wasn't a mutual treaty, but it was a, an oath that was, was made by the Lord God alone. Amen. The burden of the covenant was upon him. Uh, to fulfill uh, the promise of the covenant that he made. So when he made covenant with Abraham, the responsibility of the covenant itself, the burden of the covenant was upon the Lord God himself, not upon Abraham. All Abraham was required to do was to have faith. And so all that is required of man is to have faith. Faith and obedient to what God has promised. So when you say you have faith in the scriptures and you follow that by actions, you are invoking uh, the covenant that God has made uh, through the shed blood with man through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Hebrews chapter six says this. Verses 13 through 15, for when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself, saying, surely blessing, I will bless thee and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise talking about Abraham. So after Abraham had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. And of course, if we go back to Genesis and we beginning in verse 12 and we read of the life of Abraham, we'll find out that what uh, the writer of Hebrews said is true. Now, let's look at the Lord God fulfilling the covenant that he made with Abraham through Zacharias and Elizabeth. Now, we have just jumped 2000 years now. Amen to uh, the New Testament. And we'll be reading in Luke chapter one and we'll read verses five through 17. And in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a certain priest named Zacharias, a division of Abijah. Abijah was a son of Aaron. So Zacharias was part of the priesthood, a rightful part, a legal part, a legal representative of the covenant that God had made with Moses and Aaron, particularly Aaron and the priesthood. 
And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So both Zacharias and Elizabeth were part of the priesthood class. And they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. In other words, they steadfastly held to the covenant that God had made with the children of Israel. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years. Now it came about while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot. Now, how is it that on this particular day, it was Zacharias that was chosen by lot to enter the temple and to burn incense into the holy pl- in the holy place? I tell you, God works within his covenant. Things happen. Amen. But the plan of it is within the covenant. Verse 10 says, and the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw him and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will give him the name John. Prayer on Zacharias' part was dependent upon the covenant that God had made with the nation of Israel. And that's so very, very important. When you pray and you pray according to the will of God, You are praying based upon the covenant that has been struck between you and between God through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, through faith in his blood. And that is so very important for us, amen, to have as a reality in our heart and in our life. Now, notice what else the angel says. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn back many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient of the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Once again, God working through uh, his covenant that he has made with the nation of Israel. Now, here's an interesting fact. Since the prophet Malachi, no prophet had spoken to Israel. God breaks through these 400 years of silence with this announcement. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. But also we realize this, that it was 400 silent years that Israel was in bondage to Egypt. God broke through it also. And we want to go back and we want to read a little bit in Exodus chapter 3 and verses 1 through 10. This is the call of Moses. Amen. 
to deliver the children of Israel. Now notice, now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now I want to stop right here and I want to make, uh, I want to add something here. Midian were enemies of Israel. The Midianites were enemies of Israel. There is never a time where Midian and Israel had an alliance with one another. They were bitter enemies. But yet Moses, who is an Israelite, a Hebrew, marries into the family of Jethro, who is a priest of Midian. Now figure that out. And so this tells us that just because the people of Midian are enemies doesn't mean that all of Midian, all the people of Midian are, are, are enemies of the nation of Israel. Well, Jethro certain was, certainly wasn't an enemy of Moses, and he certainly was not an enemy of Israel. And that's the way it is today. You have people in China. Well, they're under the communist regime and the communist regime are certainly enemies of the United States of America. But that doesn't mean that all the Chinese are enemies of America. Amen. We have great conflict in, in the Middle East and the Palestinians. Many of them are enemies of Israel, but not all Palestinians are enemies of Israel. And not all Palestinians are enemies of the United States of America. God is working within these people to call out from among them a people for his name. So we should be praying for the Chinese. We should be praying for the Palestinians. Amen. That God will do what he said. That's part of our covenant that we have uh, with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Prayer is invoking the covenant of God upon those who do not know him. We have the power to do that. Praise God. Now, let's continue reading. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight. Why the bush is not burned up. <laughs> Praise God. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, now, Let's understand this. Now, we're, the, the, the word of God is, is written from a human point of view so that we can grasp uh, the idea of the person, the greatness and the magnificence of Almighty God. God did not have to see Moses in order to call him. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. This is just the English translation trying to invoke to us in our imaginations what was going on. Praise God. Amen. Our God is a mighty God and he's far above us. Glory to, glory to his name. Praise God. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. Now, why did God say that? Well, Sandals were man-made. You can't approach God with man-made things. You have to approach him with things that 
he has designed, things that he has created. Amen, praise God. He created Moses' feet. And because Moses took off his sandals, he had an approach to God. Amen. And he said, this is God speaking, and he said also, I am the God, notice this, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. What is God saying? He's saying, I have a covenant, amen, with your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. For I am aware of their sufferings. So I will come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to give them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. And now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Amen. That's that's such a good reading. So now here's the Lord God and he begins working his plan through his covenant that he had with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And this covenant affects Moses. God is calling Moses out of the burning bush. And the main factor that moved the Lord God to act on behalf of the children of Israel was this covenant that God had made going all the way back to Abraham. When he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. The Lord said this to Moses. Amen. But now there's two things we need to see here. This is what God said. He said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. So we see right here that God's heart and his eyes were upon the nation of Israel. But now listen to this. Now, God has seen this for 400 years. He's been looking on the children of Israel now for 400 years, ever since they've been in bondage. Think about that. <clears throat> generation after generation after generation after generation for 400 years, he has seen the affliction of his people. But now what triggered this response? Well, the second part of what the Lord had said to Moses and have given heed to their cry, to their prayers, to their crying out for deliverance. Praise God. Hallelujah. See, it took a people praying for God to begin to move on their behalf. And when you cry out to God and you're crying out to him because of the covenant and the covenant relationship that you have with him, God then begins to move. Amen. Praise God. What God did in the, in the, uh, on behalf of the nation of Israel through Moses and through their crying, God will do for you today. The same covenant. Amen. Listen, there is no plan B with God. There is only plan A. You can't even put an A behind plan. It's his plan. 
All that God has done is just a prolongation of the plan that he made at the very beginning. And aren't you glad that you're in that covenant if you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? Now, if you don't know him as Savior, if you cannot with assurance say that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven, then you need to begin to examine yourself, brother. You need to begin to examine yourself, sister, to find out whether or not you actually are in the faith. And if you can't say that with confidence, get down on your hands and knees right now and begin to pray and ask Christ to come into your heart and to give you the assurance that, yes, I am a child of God. Hallelujah. And when you pray through and God answers your prayer, you will be a born again person. Praise God. And so now getting back to uh, the subject at hand with Zacharias, once again, <clears throat> here we have 400 years of silence since the last prophet Malachi. And God breaks through again in response to Zacharias praying. You may be in a season of drought. You may be in a desert. You may not know. You may be confused. You may not know which way to turn. I'm telling you, if you are a child of God and you're born again, based upon the covenant relationship that you have with him, get down on your hands and knees and begin to pray. And God will begin to move on your behalf. Hallelujah. Now, let's further on. Now, let's look here. Luke chapter one, verses 11 through 13. Once again, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw him and fear gripped him. But an angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will give him the name John, the invoking of the covenant. Praise God. Because Zacharias, because he was a man of the covenant that God had struck with Abraham many hundreds and thousands of years before, because he cried unto the Lord for a son, God answered his prayer at the proper time. Amen. God is not some... Uh, on a string, let's say it that way. God is, God is not a, a, a just something that wrapped around your finger. He's not on a string. He moves in his own way. He moves in his own plan. He moves in his own purpose. But it's all based upon the covenant. And so that's why you and I can have confidence that when we pray based upon the covenant that we have with him through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that answer will come. If it's according to the will of God, and this is what the Apostle John says. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we pray according to his will. Well, how do I know what God's will is? It's in the word of God that if we pray according to his will, we know that we already have the petitions that we have desired of him. So when we pray and we pray by faith and we pray based upon the word of God and we say, amen, that's it. 
We don't need to pray again and again and again and again and again trying to talk God into answering our prayer. No, that prayer has already been answered. Amen. It's on its way. In the proper time, we will receive it. So then what do we do? Well, we spend the rest of our time giving thanks. Lord, I just thank you. Amen. That's prayers answered because I'm praying based upon this scripture. And it shall come to pass because God's faithful. He's faithful to his covenant. Amen. But the blessings of the covenant have to be invoked by faith, by faith and by patience, by faith and endurance. Amen. Hanging in there until the answer comes, being happy, giving thanks God always, giving thanks to him always. Hallelujah. Now, because Zacharias was a man of the covenant that God struck with Abraham many years before, and because he cried unto the Lord for a son, God answered his prayer. Now, think about this. Abraham was childless. And no doubt his heart was praying for a, a son. God heard his prayer. God gave him a son. God appeared to him. Well, is this arbitrary? No. It had to be a response to something that Abraham and Sarah were praying about. Because this is the model throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Once again, Zacharias was childless. And he prayed. And God heard his prayer and gave him a son. So Isaac was born. He was the firstborn son of God's covenant with Abraham. Isaac, a recipient of the covenant, amen, that he made with God. That's a reinstitution of the covenant that God had made with Abraham. He fathered Jacob. Jacob, in turn, a part of the covenant, fathered the 12 sons of Israel who became uh, the nation of Israel. And in like manner, John was the first son of God's covenant struck with Zacharias. Amen. And he was the one that prepared the way for the one Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Who invoked a new covenant. Praise God. Which is a fulfillment, a prolongation of the old covenant. Now, once again, Luke records this. And it came about when the days of his priestly service were ended that he went back home. And after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me. The covenant blessings always include favor and blessing. Praise God. He looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. Amen. And because of the dedicated lives of Zacharias and Elizabeth, God was able to fulfill his purpose and his plan. And as a result, John was born. Hallelujah. Well, why did he pick on these two? That's within the province of God. That's part of his plan and purpose. Why did God pick you? That's in his province according to his plan and purpose. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, let's read one more passage of Scripture. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 56. We'll read the first portion of it. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin 
engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. Now, we're talking about covenant people here. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Notice the faith, the command, amen, of this covenant. You will conceive in your womb, you will bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. And he will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Notice that. Will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Praise God. Well, we're going to stop right here. I'm telling you, this is the, the idea and the study and the revelation and the reality of the covenant that we have with Almighty God. Amen. Once we get this in our heart, once we get this in our mind and in our mouth, uh, it is going to provide great blessing and benefit for all of us. So, Father, I thank you for your word today, and I give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.